evening, good afternoon. I'm Samira, and this is the Harvard Community from the Harvard Crimson. At today's tea party, our guests will talk about academics at Harvard. President Lowell once said, a well-educated person must know a little bit of everything and one thing well. Now, President Lowell also said and did lots of problematic things, but Harvard just loves to focus on the good. (laughs) Our Tea Party guests will discuss their experiences and opinions on the academic journey of receiving a Harvard degree. There are our guests now. What's good, y'all? My name is LJ Daniel. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm from Dallas, Texas. I study applied math. I'm class of 2021, and I live in Courier House. Hi, everyone. I'm Esther, and I take she, her, hers. And I'm a sophomore in Adam's house who is hoping to make my own concentration in happiness. I feel like everything that I've wanted to do My whole life is to just make people happier and allow them to thrive by giving them the opportunities that they need in order to do so. And I really believe that any good policies need to revolve around a model of what people actually need. So I want to look into like individual and societal nature of happiness. And I was born in Canada, but I moved around my entire life. So I just moved to the cornfields of Illinois two years ago from North Carolina. Thank you, LJ and Esther, for joining us today. I hope you're ready to start spilling some tea. Choosing your college major is a big deal. And I know here at Harvard, you know, we we got fancy word for major and minor. We call it concentrations and and secondaries. We just got to have a fancy word for everything, right? (laughs) Anyways, um, it's even something that like, you know, I struggle with picking my major. But, you know, I really thought I had it all figured out, um, even though I applied Uh, like undecided on my application like I was pretty sure that I was gonna be a biomedical engineer with like a secondary in government like I was like yes girl you are stem you are a plant you have a stem incorrect (laughs) I actually like took the little placement test uh the little biology chemistry thing and my test glitched And I had to do it all over again. And that was pretty much the end of my career in STEM. Even though I did take math uh, my freshman year. Anyways, again, (laughs) I would just love to hear more about how y'all got into your respective concentrations. I know that LJ, you're doing applied math. Esther, you're doing this like really cool special concentration in happiness. Um, So I'd love to hear more about how you got into that. I just know that Um, It's often difficult for people to really settle on what they want to do. And it might um, help a lot of people if maybe they can hear how you ultimately came to your decisions. Yes. Um, So growing up, I liked spelling and I liked math. That was it. I liked spelling and I liked math. Akila and the B. Akila and the B. Akila and the B. And so I knew I wanted to do something that had to do with spelling or math and (laughs) There's not really a lot of concentrations for spelling. And so I knew I wanted to do something that was somewhat quantitative just because that's kind of been something I'm comfortable with. That's something that I'm interested 
um, and studying and applying at the next level of my career. And so I think I got to call, or I got to Harvard and I wasn't entirely sure. I spent freshman year, I spent my first year um, really just trying to, to navigate the scene, took a different, a couple different courses in some different areas. And I found going into my sophomore year that I felt as though applied math was gonna be something that was challenging. And I, I think for me, I struggled because I didn't necessarily know how really applicable or how much I would really apply that applied math. And I think that I realized that there was an ele- there is an element of things that I learned that I personally um, aren't going to be the most um, impactful for my own career. But I think that I even though I've taken different classes um, in the kind of more advanced mathematics, advanced mathematics, I've been able to kind of take some of the problem solving strategies. And I think that those will more so carry over into the um, for in my life into the real world following college. And so I do appreciate having kind of the ability to really apply math to different areas. But I think overall, it was something for me that I just really enjoyed. And I think that overall, I can apply it to a few different fields, because I'm not entirely certain as to what exactly I want to do. Um, looking ahead for the rest of my career. So so honestly, I need to explore that a little bit more because this is just an idea that I had, honestly, a couple days ago. <laughs> and I was like, you know what I want to do? Let me just make my own concentration because I came in so undecided and I have so many different interests. And so I feel like the best way to do that is just to combine it into one thing that I love so I can just, you know, take all the classes that I want. So I will update you when I figure that out, because right now I'm not too sure. (laughs) It is totally fine that you do not have it figured out. I really don't think anybody has everything all figured out. (laughs) But anyways, on to my next question for you all. Um, Esther, you've only had um, a year and a half here so far. LJ, you're in your senior year. Wow. Um, I'd love to hear about what has been your favorite course so far that you've taken in your time at Harvard. Okay, this is a little bit controversial. Um, it's a little bit of a hot take, if you will. My favorite class has been X-Boss. Like, I... <laughs> Expository <laughs> Writing 20. <laughs> okay, I think this is such an unpopular opinion, but I loved mine so much. Like, Margaret, if you're watching this, I love you. You changed my life. Thank you. Okay, so like my class, it was called Narrating Immigration, and it was my first choice. I'm like so grateful I ended up getting the class in the first place, but I just thought that like as an immigrant myself, I was like, oh, I'm going to be like, I already know so many of these things, but no, like I learned so much in that class and it was just so eye-opening and beautiful and I just feel like immigration is such a, you know, you know, divisive topic in the U.S. It's like mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of people like fleeing poverty and violence and like coming at the border every single year. And so it was just interesting to hear about how a lot of lots of conversations about immigration always focus on the economic, like cultural, like political implications. But then the actual lived experiences of immigrants like really gets lost. And so we talked about like, who are the people who are actually coming to the border and what are like their motivations and what actually happens to them when they arrive. And so we thought a lot about like the experiences of them and what actually makes national news and what parts of their lives and stories aren't 
like aren't uh, like on the news and like what's actually being ignored and so it was really cool because we got to talk to different lawyers at the law school and you know being able to just go to immigration court proceedings and kind of seeing what that process was like and the class was also an engaged scholarship course so I think that everyone was taking it was just super super passionate about the material and was always engaged so I was always like super excited to come to class so I was just I don't know I really loved it only thing about Xbox, like I'm glad that you had you know, like your first choice. I also got my first choice, yes. faking it to make it. Yo, that was the best one out there. Shout out to my Xbox Twenty peeps. Um, yes. but the thing is, like Xbox, you know, it, it is you know that required writing course we right. have to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the way in which like <laughs> the Xbox you get put in makes or breaks your experience that's, with it. That's like, so true. Like I personally like. I was reading The Great Gatsby and watching movies and right. my counterparts down the street <laughs> was having to read like 50, 60 page articles every day for class. And I was just like, okay, oh, I'm going to just read about Daisy and Gatsby <laughs> in the car. <laughs> and I already read it in high school, so I really wasn't even reading it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of crazy how like that like it's just really unequal <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the xbox thing is just kind of yeah I, I, I don't know like I, I and i also don't know how they can make it better because i feel like the so, idea of the like having like topic is that a word topic uh essay not xbox essay, classes like <laughs> makes it more interesting like makes right. writing more interesting like especially when you can write about something you're interested in makes it better exactly. but how do you make it so that like if there are a lot of people who are interested in one topic that they can still take that class and they don't end up getting put in like mm-hmm. some other class mm-hmm. that they don't want to do that's that's the struggle because i know that last year one of my friends he got his last choice and Slow. I feel so bad. It was the Slow. Shakespeare one. I'm like, Shakespeare. I'm, so sorry. I'm sick of Shakespeare. William, no. William gotta go. William, thank you <laughs> William for Romeo, go. Juliet, Hamlet. What's the other ones he did? What's, I don't what's, even what's know. Some more Shakespeare. I don't even. I couldn't even tell you. I'm sick of William. <laughs> William gotta go. I'm done. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm tired of William. So that ain't it. So <laughs> they really kind of come up with a better system. I'm not sure. Some people got their first choice. Some got their last choice. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how it works. I don't know. You know? As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I won the lottery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. I think for me, my favorite course has probably been Xbox 40. I think that it was a little bit different than some of the classes. Being a STEM concentrator, a lot of my classes, um, they overlap, which is cool. They have some... They have some similar elements. And I think Xbox 40 was really a cool opportunity for me to step outside of my comfort zone, really work on things that I might not necessarily have worked on in the past. And I really got to know my my classmates. We had a pretty tight-knit class. Um, some of my really good friends now were in that class. And so I really appreciated kind of the community feel of that that course and things that I, I took from that class that I use, honestly, on a day-to-day basis. So yeah, Xbox 40. So everybody knows what Xbox 20 is. You know, me and Esther were, <laughs> were joking about it. Um, but LJ, could you explain for us exactly what Xbox 40 is? Just because not everybody takes it. Yeah, uh, for sure. So 
Xbox 40, it's a, it's different than Xbox 20 in that Xbox 40 is an elective at the college that really focuses on developing and strengthening skills that are necessary for public speaking, successful public speaking. And so in particular, we, we implemented different strategies from things like impromptu speaking. Um, we practiced and prepared for giving different presentations. And then overall, we had some different games, different exercises. And I really thought that it was a really cool way to kind of incorporate different elements of your voice, different elements of your body that overall helped me build confidence in my overall speaking expression. So so why isn't Xbox 40 one of the required classes as well? Because I just feel like so many Harvard people would also benefit <laughs> from this class. Um, but LJ, while, you know, I'm talking to you, I know that you are one of the captains of the Harvard track and field team. So I would love to hear about how, you know, how it's been, you know, balancing being both um, a student and an athlete at Harvard. No, definitely. That's a really good question. Anytime I talk with um, prospective student athletes, recruits, um, anyone who's really interested in becoming a student athlete, I definitely talk about how kind of the intersection and the balance between the two has played a role in my um, time. I think the biggest thing is is time management. Looking at high school, I think I had practices were so short, I could go to practice, go home, do my work, things like that. I think at college you have, you don't even have a lot of free time, but you, you do have more freedom. I think practices for me, I'm normally at the track from like three, 2.30ish till like 6 p.m. And so it, it's a lot of time there. And so I, I don't have as much time. And so it really becomes um, very critical for me to work with other students, other student athletes to really take advantage of my time and prioritize kind of what I need to to be successful. So I definitely think time management has been big in, in trying to navigate being both a Division One athlete while being uh an ivy league student so yeah um esther do you have really like anything to add on top of like some of the advice that Alger just kind of gave maybe about like time management or anything else as it relates to navigating um like academics at harvard oh yes i would say explore take random class oh wait that's actually sounds kind of bad no but no for real like explore take classes that you're actually interested in, which I think everyone says, but um, as someone who came in with like 30 different interests and wasn't sure what they were doing, I think it's been really helpful to take a little bit of everything, even if at first it sounds kind of scary or like not my uh, not my cup of tea, at least trying it out and, and seeing what it's like. And that's, you know, the, the beauty of a liberal arts education. So I would definitely say to put yourself out there and like maybe you'll find a new love for for a subject you've never even like heard about before mm -hmm. so yes yep y'all better do 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 the dora and go explore because the way in which harvard just has so much to offer like academically <laughs> like we can take classes at the law school at the ed school at the medical school also at the college like we can literally take so many things explore so many things um, we have lots of options that everyone should really take advantage of. Anyways, your girl got class soon. So I really only have one more question for y'all. And that is, if we're looking for you during midterm season or like final season, where can we find you? Essentially, what's your favorite place to study on campus and why? Yes, my favorite place to study is probably 
the treehouse in the Soch. So I'm I'm in the quad. I'm from I had the pleasure of being accepted into the lovely Courier House. And so right next door we have the Soch, which is like our student activity center. Um and in the treehouse is one of the rooms. It's on the top floor of the Soch and um you it's really cool. You have really nice views. And so I really just appreciate kind of some alone time there. Occasionally occasionally they have acapella groups that come practice in the room right next to the treehouse. And so sometimes I'll be studying for exams, studying for midterms, and I have the low keys come in and do a nice little a nice little practice while I'm working. And so it really keeps me, it gives me some energy, but I, I appreciate the social, I appreciate the treehouse. And then also I just really like my room. I have a really um a really nice single in courier. And so I have my extra monitor basically. So I have two screens at once. And so I really appreciate, especially when I'm doing some of those um, STEM P sets, appreciate kind of being able to look at different screens at once. And I think it helps me a lot in terms of efficiency and productivity. So I would, I would definitely say most of my time isn't really spent in a library, but more so um, in the treehouse or like secluded areas throughout the social. So yeah. I'm in Lamont Library, of course. There is no other place I'd rather be. Lamont is my love, my home. It's a beautiful place. Girl, you sound like Lamont Library got down on one knee and you said, I do. <laughs> Why do you love Lamont so much? What's there not to love? Honestly, I think for me, I would just always go there like the middle of the night. And so I'd, I'd be in the cafe. No one was there. Oh my gosh, the way your eyes just popped. <laughs> Yes, the middle of the night, and I would go there to get my work done. It's honestly where I met my best friends. Which I be saying something like they're great people, and so I would just stay up all night because I had no sleep schedule freshman year. But that's okay, you know. We're fixing that. We're fixing that. But I would just stay up all night, you know, be in the cafe. Also, it's a great place. There's food there. Good people. Good conversation. I don't know what more you could want, honestly. My favorite part of L Lamont is mm -hmm. that I can actually talk. I can yes. breathe in some places without being judged. Like I can go to the right. cafe, talk. Right. I can go down to the media lab in the basement, talk. But for example, if I were to go into Widener and like, mind you, I work at Widener. Like right. I work at the circulation desk. I yes. see people go into the stacks and do whatever they just did and then come right out. Um, but if I'm like in the little, what's it called? The reading room? Yes. With the, the long the, name, the, the, yes. the long jeté. What's it called? <laughs> what's it called? Long jeté reading room? The, the, what is, yeah. Wait, what's the Hockey, name of it? Ho oh my gosh. Hocker, ho Hockerman. What's it called? Ho I have no clue. And that's a shame. I work there too. <laughs> you work there too. Oh no! What's um, it called? Wait, oh, the Elkins? Lo is that what Loker, it? Loker, Loker. I think it's Loker Reading Room. Wait, I think it is because I've seen this picture. Yeah, yeah, the Loker Reading Room. Light green, arched roof, natural light. Yes. Okay, that's it. That's it. Yep. Wow, you were right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. There you I'm go. employee there of you the go. month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Anyway, when, when I'm in Loker. I can't yes. even breathe properly. Oh, fully. And, and you know, I, I need to reset my breathing sometimes because some of the words are making me anxious. So I have to do a... And a... But the way in which people snap their necks like Annabelle looking at me, I just... 
<laughs> Let me breathe. Oh my God. I just I just feel attacked in that space sometimes. It's not Sweet. a safe space, honestly. <laughs> it's not a safe space. Wait, literally, I told you this once, but I was in Widener and I fully fell asleep because it happens. It happens. Hey, it happens to the best of us sometimes, you know? And so I wake up, I'm really hungry. So I'm about to go to Berg to get some food and I stand up. And then I don't realize that both of my feet are like fully asleep. And so I just stand up and fall to the ground. Oh, and this is in Loker. No. And then I accidentally trip over and I, I knock down two of the chairs because they're just on the table. And so it's like <laughs> boom, boom. And then I'm on the floor. And then I, everyone just turns their heads so quick at me. No, um, no, no. So one of the most embarrassing moments, truly. No, that. But no, we that, survived. That, like, that is, we we survived. <laughs> we we survived. really survived. But really, like, like Widener's pretty. I think the only reason to nice. go to Widener is like first, if you really want to like quietly study, and also if you want to see the really cute security guard. All right, all right. Uh, Harvard got rid of Harvard time, so I actually have to get to class um, at the actual start time, so I do have to go. But thank y'all so much for coming to my tea party today. And Esther, um, you know, you talking about Lamont and especially talking about Lamont Cafe or Lamb Cat, <laughs> as we call it, uh, made me realize that I'm actually gonna go stop over there <laughs> before my next class. <laughs> So I will see y'all later. I'll see you around campus. All right, what time is it? What time is it? Ooh, 12, 12, class at 1230. Oh, okay, okay. I can definitely make it from Lamont to William James by 1230, question mark. <laughs> oh, hey, Emily. Um, and maybe I should just take the shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let me get my ID out so I can swipe into this library. Really annoying with this whole ID swipe thing, but I guess it's for safety, security, whatever. Okay, wait, is it in your pocket or is it in your purse? Okay, here it is. Perfect, all right, and... Why are there so many people in, in my cafe? I ain't never, ever seen so many people. Lord, let me go get in line. All I want is an iced chai latte. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The line is not that bad. Hallelujah. Hello. What can we get started for you? Hi, um, could I please have a medium iced chai latte made with almond milk? Board plus? Yes, board plus. All right, here's your ID. Thanks. Oh, wait, hold up. These little croissants over here looking good. Let me just, just grab one of these. <laughs> Two. Oh, I am so sorry. I did not mean to bump into you. <laughs> What's your name? Hi, I'm James Rose. Uh, I take he, him, his. I am from Long Island, New York, uh, and I am affiliated with Quincy House. I'm graduating in 2022. And my concentration is a special concentration in law, finance, and political economy. That is so cool. <laughs> well, I'm Samira. I take the She Series. I am a senior from New Orleans. Yes, New Orleans, New Orleans, however you want to say it. 
I live in Lowell House, and I study sociology with a secondary in educational studies. Oh, Thank you. Anyway, um, James, how is how's the semester been for you? Because like, it's really different. But how's it going for you? Like this semester has been, uh, like I don't even have to walk between classes, and I feel like I don't have time. Um, You're right. Right. And like, somehow professors think we have more. Time exactly. I'm like, why? Why are you gonna assign me a reading and then also assign me like assign me a read? So there's this class. There's a gen ed. I'm, this is a digression. I'm gonna try to keep it quick. There's this gen ed. It's taught in HBS style, so you have to participate in class. It's like discussions about a reading, um, and it's not just like, oh, I thought this was interesting, like that kind of discussion about a reading. No, it's like there there are propositions that you need to argue for or against. Um, so everyone's gonna do the reading, and if they don't, they can't participate. But we still have Canvas discussions to respond to the reading that are required. Like, I get if it's optional. It's like, oh, you want to further discuss this topic? And it's like, come on, we don't need to do this. Literally. <laughs> and, like, I hate to say this, but in normal circumstances, like, barely any of us do the readings anyway. So, like, why are you going out of your way to give us extra work now to, like, do these reading checks when you know good and well we wasn't even reading it in normal circumstances? <laughs> It's just like, it's making it like more difficult for no reason at all. Especially right now when we really don't need any more difficulty in our lives. And I'm a tour guide. And so a question that I always get asked is like, is it true that the hardest part is just getting in? Like, sure, Bethany, statistically speaking, it's difficult to get into Harvard. But like, it's definitely like not, not difficult, like to be a student here either. Like, I don't. There are certain subjects that are hard. No doubt about it. Um, especially like. Pre-meds, y'all are a lot sometimes, <laughs> but, but you do take some hard classes. And I used to do STEM research, so I know what it's like. Um, but we need to be very critical when there are courses that we know that people need to take in order to graduate with a certain degree or something um, that are always referred to. And it's always the same kind of way of talking about these courses as it's so hard like you can go you can get behind so easily like it's so difficult but it's so rewarding that might be true i am willing to bet that in a large number of cases especially at harvard it's not because the material is difficult because if the material were that difficult it wouldn't need to come in an intro class mm. odds are and this has been the case, I've noticed this in some courses and they've been my least favorite courses at the school. Odds are the material is a little difficult or there might be a high initial section of the learning curve, but it is taught well to tons of people at every other school because it's a necessary course for whatever given major. But it's seen as impossible here because either the professor or the teaching staff hasn't gotten their pedagogy to a point where every student can get the same thing out of the course without mm. having the same level of, or without having a high, high level of preparation. There's a lot of students at the school who will take those courses that are very rewarding, having already completed the work of those courses in other courses, just right. to kind of brag about it, which mm. is its own thing. but. I am of the opinion that there should be no course where students don't feel like they've actually learned the material. And if that is the case, 
There's a difference between gaining mastery on the material and learning the material. If you haven't learned the material and you've shown up to lecture and paid attention, it's the fault of the course. It's the fault of the teaching staff and it's the fault of the professor. And you want to know how you can recognize when that's the case? Aside from, oh, people talk about it in this way, there's also, there's easy time. These should have been red flags. I took one of these courses. These should have been red flags. There's a course, I'm not going to say what it is, but X say majors it, will know what it is. Okay, it's, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to get sued. But there's a course, X majors will know what it is. Um, there's a course where people are like, oh, it's impossible, but it's so rewarding. And everyone gets an A minus. If you're in the top five people, you get an A. If you're in like the bottom five people, you get a B plus. But everyone gets an A minus. And then you're like, that's weird. That doesn't make a lot. I don't, I don't know why that's the case. I, get to, I, I mean, good. Maybe good for my GPA. Maybe I'll take the harder one and I'll take an A minus. But then you take the course and you, there's like most of the grade comes from a midterm and a final. And I kid you not, the averages for these midterms and for the midterm, single midterm and the final are well below 50%. Um, for what is essentially an intro to modeling course. Every grad student in economics needs this kind of a course. Um, any school with a good economics program teaches an equivalent course. Schools with bad economics programs <laughs> teach an equivalent <laughs> course and people make it through. Um, but the averages will be like 30% or something. And that's like the actual mean and it's not far from the median. There might be one person with a 90% it's like, okay, cool. Um, but then it's like, there are people who come to this midterm and I kid you not, someone in my year taking it had a 9% on the midterm. Tell me how you wake up in the morning, like <laughs> having, having studied for like a week for this midterm, have your little breakfast at Annenberg, walk into whatever, like the science center, sit down, pull out that little, like, you know, those little things on the side of the chairs that are like mini desks, like the little side desks. <laughs> Pull it out, bring out your two sharpened number two pencils or mechanical pencils and score a nine. <laughs> like on the one hand, like sure, maybe that's a little bit your fault, but it's also like, why is anyone scoring a nine in your class? You communicated 9% of the material you wanted to, to one of your students. How does that happen? That's an interesting point you bring up about like the percentage, not being right. Like, like I know some right, of these are intended to be like eighty-five percent is what I need you to know, and one hundred percent is like, oh, you learned even more. Like I get that, but in what world is a nine percent out on an exam that isn't even like two standard deviations from the mean? Like that's not an outlier number even. Like <laughs> for some of these, how is that? How, how do you look at that and be like, yes, I taught this course well. I, and that's a really hot take because this course is really popular. And the professor, for a number of reasons, and we can talk about this at another time, um, <laughs> for a number of reasons is like kind of this pop figure. Um, and it's like, it doesn't excuse the pedagogy. And that's this, again, this, I'm focusing on this one specific course, but I know for a fact that there are a number of courses at the school where people fetishize it as, it's so hard, but it's so rewarding. And the reality is it's not hard. It's just either they're not communicating this thing at the beginning of the learning curve that only some students learn before coming to Harvard, or it's poorly taught. So mm -hmm. my advice there is like, um, should courses be hard? Yes, courses should be challenging, but it should come from the material. 
It should come organically from the material. Mm. It shouldn't be hard to access the material because of barriers in the way that it's right, from. right, right. <laughs> and James, it, it, like <laughs> for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. That's why, like, if I do have some classes that I know are going to be a little more difficult, then I will take some gems or, like, those classes that literally just have no work at all. <laughs> I think gems are stupid. Period, okay? Um, and that sounds elitist. It's not. Look for easy courses when you need easy courses. There's nothing wrong with that. If you are having a hard semester, if you're if you're working a job, for example, while already taking well needing to take four courses to graduate, don't feel bad about taking an easy course. But don't take a gem. And they're different. Um, they're different. Mm. Um, and the difference is, easy courses are courses that, regardless of the subject matter, you should you won't have a hard time passing because of how the course is taught or whether the teacher is really supportive, whatever. Gems, more often than not, in my experience, are a predefined set of courses that, regardless of what you're interested in, regardless of what your schedule is, regardless of what concentration you're in, you will not have a hard time doing because there's nothing to be done for the course. And like I was saying before, why are you wasting a quarter of an entire semester on a course that you're going to do nothing in and take nothing from? Some of the some of the courses that are called gems can be like very enjoyable. I know a lot of people who have learned life lessons from ancient Greek hero. Oh, <laughs> don't you saw Greek do. heroes? Oh, not Greek heroes. <laughs> and there's at least people who say that they learn big lessons from Greek hero, and it's like I maybe you do. Thing. But odds are you were interested in it i learned um, nothing <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is is like exactly so why did you take it and this isn't an ad at you it's want... like... exactly exactly because i needed an easy class <laughs> exactly and it's like why don't we put as much effort into figuring out easy classes that we can gain something from um and it's not because they don't exist because they do and i've taken them <laughs> um but I hate the way that we turn gems into this like otherworldly benefit of like, no matter who you are, this course, add this one course, like professors hate him. He added this one course to his schedule and his life was so much easier. He didn't have to do anything. No, don't do that. It's a scam. I wonder like, <laughs> cause of course, like, you know, we can find easy classes. Like, I've taken some, like, easier classes that have actually been, like, really, really cool. And, like, but some people, like, who, I, you know, I've, I've come across other people who hate gyms. Like, they just, like, really want to take very hard classes, like, all the time. <laughs> like, I've never understood it at all. But, like, maybe you do. Like, I don't know. Students very often, I fell victim to this, um and I know other people who have as well, will take courses that are advertised as difficult in order to prove to themselves that they're not just one other Harvard student because they get here and they think, well, now I'm no longer the 99th percentile or the 90th percentile or the whatever percentile wherever you come from. Um, <laughs> I'm average. <laughs> right. Like that experience <laughs> is, the, like people are like, oh, what is the Harvard experience? Unless you're like, 
unless you're one of, there's a bunch of different groups who this might not apply to, but for the majority of incoming first years, the experience is humbling. Um, that is the first experience you you have at Harvard is to be humble. You might have friends too, but like the first <laughs> academic experience <laughs> at Harvard is being humble. Um, because either it doesn't come easy anymore, um, or it does come easy, but it takes longer, or it takes the same amount of time and it's easy, but it's the same for everyone else in the way that it was before. Something is gonna change the way that you view yourself academically. And the immediate response for most people isn't to just accept that. It's gonna be, all right, so now how do I differentiate myself again? <laughs> and often the way to do that is with a hard course. Um, so then, mm whether that course like needs to be hard or not like you know those are things i already talked about but the herd mentality isn't just like people tricking each other into taking hard courses i don't even think when people say oh this course was so hard the intent anymore is to say and you should take it it's just they take it because they're told it's hard it might be hard they might hate it they might be trying <laughs> to convince people that's really rewarding because they need to justify it to themselves in the same way mm -hmm. But it might just be that they're telling people it's hard so that they can make sure other people know it's hard. So that mm. they can remind themselves that it was hard. Um, and that it's because like it was hard, yeah, capital. exactly. Yeah. It's the academic capital. Um, so sometimes they'll take hard courses and then make sure everyone else knows, it hard, knows it's hard to prove to themselves that I did a hard thing. Mm. I'm not average. Period. Mm, <laughs> well, I do have to get to class, but it has been so nice to meet you and talk to you, James. But before I let you step foot out of this door across the threshold, I have to remind you to please vote, please vote. I know many of you are still waiting on your absentee ballots. When they get there, you better fill them out in pen, put the stamps on them, put them in the mail. A lot of places have opened for early voting. Go to that. I went with my mother and sister this past weekend. And if you are planning to go on election day, make those plans now. Hopefully Harvard will make election day a holiday. Please Harvard do that. Our civic engagement is important and you should probably prioritize it <laughs> i hope you'll join us next time and tune into the harvard community